This week's shout out goes to. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's okay. okay. I'm just going to start here. End quote. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One, two, three. I might have to come back and record this. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> sorry. Uh, oh, gosh. Okay. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 135. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and today we are talking about gentleness. Nothing is so strong as gentleness. Nothing is so gentle as real strength. So said St. Francis de Sales, a French Catholic bishop living in the early 17th century. But gentleness equals strength? To the modern ear, this sounds like an absurd dichotomy. Perhaps what we know about gentleness is incomplete, and perhaps a more true understanding of real strength lies closer to softness of heart than we may have thought. But first, the best way that you can support the Modern Lady Podcast is by giving us a rating and review on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Your reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts, can really help others who might be interested find our podcast too. Your comments mean the world to us. This week's shout out goes to at RedRunner123, who left us a comment on one of our latest episode Instagram posts saying, quote, thank you. I know it's a lot of work for the two of you to put these together, but I so enjoy listening, end quote. Thank you so much at RedRunner123 for not only listening, but for sending us this note on Instagram that really meant a lot to us. Putting these shows together is such a joy, especially when we're able to engage and chat with you and the Modern Lady community throughout the whole process. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. Before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. This tip is bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. So I follow someone on Instagram called at the Royal Butler. Now he's the former butler to King Charles III and the Waleses. So I think he knows what he's talking about. But I stumbled across his reel on the proper way to eat a banana. And he said that you do not need a knife and fork, which is in direct contrast to the other etiquette experts that I have encountered. Yes, you heard that correctly. I have studied this before. Now, before I share what I've learned, I want you to know why this strikes me as funny. Jason's department at work has a slideshow every Christmas and they share candid photos they took of each other throughout the year. And of course they're meant to be funny and slightly embarrassing. Well, every year there's a montage of banana eating photos that they have entitled the Chiquita Caper because they're detectives. <laughs> and now everyone is terrified of, to bring a banana to work in their lunch. So perhaps this tip of the week can be of service. Okay, so the aforementioned Royal Butler keeps it simple. He peels it and eats it. The way he peeled it stopped me in my tracks. He peeled it from the bottom, not the longer stem at the top. My jaw hit the ground. Now I need to try this because recently I've butchered every banana I've tried to peel using the stem. I inevitably have to get a knife and make a clean cut across the top to correct the mushy mess I've made. So from the bottom, eh? And then he just eats it. 
Apparently, this peeling from the bottom trick is exactly what the monkeys do too, and I would consider them even more of a banana expert than the royal butler. Now, this is in direct contrast to what I saw happening on a clip I found on YouTube from a show called Bling Dynasty, in which people with new money learn the old rules. And the etiquette expert there used a knife and fork to first cut off the top, and then they delicately placed that piece to the side of the plate, and then the bottom part, and laid that aside as well. And then they made one long slice down the body of the banana, and then another one about one inch above that one running parallel, and then they peeled back that long ribbon of peel, exposing the banana inside. Then, with a knife and fork, slices are cut and eaten one at a time, gently lifted out of the peel, which stays on the plate. Now, hopefully you can picture this process, and I mean it, it's a process, but if you can't, you can look up $16,000 banana on YouTube, which is called that because it is $16,000 to take that etiquette course. Finally, I looked to one more source, hoping to find a middle ground here, and came across this aptly titled article on Refinery29 called, What is the Right Way to Eat a Banana? A Very Serious Investigation. In it, the writer shares about the time her husband was aghast, accusing her of eating her banana upside down. She was eating it the way the royal butler and monkeys eat it, but her accuser pointed out that the Chiquita sticker was upside down. This is so serious, I must read her response word for word. Quote, so what? It's a sticker on a fruit, she wrote in all caps. Then she said, I responded, at this point feeling like my world was turning upside down. We went back and forth for a while, and at one point he took a picture of my half-eaten banana, apparently so he could always remember how weirdly I peeled it. End quote. The author took this debate into her office, and tensions were high as everyone was convinced that they were peeling bananas the right way. And to quote her once again, at this point, I had become unsure what anyone meant by top and by bottom, and I was becoming increasingly embarrassed to be a grown adult who doesn't understand the intricacies of banana peeling, end quote. Oh, now I feel you, sister. Oh, but she kept investigating, and guess what? Prepare to have your mind blown. The bottom is the top. Now, <laughs> what I'm guessing that 99% of us would consider the top, the part with the long, hard stem is actually the bottom. Seriously, search images about how bananas grow, and that part is at the base. It grows upward so that the brown spot at the end is actually the top, and now my whole world is upside down. So thank you for coming on this journey with me. It was bananas, but I hope we all learned something today. <laughs> oh my goodness. Where do I begin? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> well, did you know that, Michelle? Am I the, no. the fool here? How have you no. been peeling your bananas? Do tell. We're both the fools. I've been <laughs> peeling them upside down, apparently, my whole life. And yes. I, I too, need to use a knife to make uh -huh. that clean cut. And mm -hmm. I just thought that was what we all just have to live with. Right. Like, that's just how you peel a banana. No. Like you, There's like an you easier way. A big orange. Oh, my God. <laughs> goodness i'm just a little concerned now that the british royal family doesn't know they're eating bananas wrong yeah <laughs> i don't trust the people. royal butler no <laughs> no and if you can't trust the royal butler who can you trust wait anymore? no he was right oh. he was right it was the second one that was oh. wrong so yeah we'll ignore all that he he did oh, it the okay. right way Okay, now this is one time that I really do want to hear from our listeners. So please let mm -hmm. us know. how. Did you know this about bananas? Have you been peeling them from the stem or from what we thought was the base, but is now clearly the top and the other part is the bottom? So yes, how do you peel your bananas? I'm dying to know.
Life in today's world and society could easily be described in harsh terms. It can be rough, abrasive, and coarse on a soul. And so if there is to be any characteristic worth reviving, it's clear that the quality of gentleness should be a top contender. And yet it seems to be one of those things that's hard to define concretely. Right, Lindsay? Yeah, that's right. Now, gentleness, this is something that's been slowly growing in my heart for years. And I have Mm -hmm. made an effort to grow in gentleness and in tenderness. Like sometimes those words go hand in hand to me. Um, I worked on being a little quieter, a little less frantic, a little less wild and crazy. Mm. (laughs) But it doesn't come easily for me. Um, I am anything but gentle, Michelle. I've been mm-hmm. called a bull in a china shop my entire life, like from toddlerhood all the way up to now. And as you know, the one who edits me and, and hears me probably more than everyone else because you can't tune my voice out like everyone else can. Um, I know that I'm loud. I speak quickly. I'm not touchy-feely. Mm. Um, although I, I do tear up easily when I think about my kids. Other than that, I'd say I'm pretty stoic when it comes to like my own person. And so I'm like, I want to know more about this. I want to be like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's hard to really pin down because as we'll like get into with this episode, like there are so many um, facets of gentleness. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't even necessarily have to be a personality trait. Like Mm -hmm. it's there is like certain dispositions that would lend a person to just be maybe um, gentler as a personality, but it goes a lot deeper than that. Like with a lot of things that we talk about that are virtues, um, they're things that can be cultivated as well. So even, I think even if our personalities are not what someone would typically see as overtly gentle in that sense, Mm -hmm. I think there is still grace for all of us. Mm. to be gentle and to at least grow in it. Yes. Yeah. And then you and I watched um, a podcast episode on YouTube, right? That this is what Mm. really piqued my curiosity about this. So it was an episode of Pints with Aquinas. And in it, Matt Frad interviews his spiritual director, who is Father Boniface Hicks. Now he's a Benedictine monk from Pennsylvania. And I was struck immediately by how quiet and gentle his voice is. And it actually Mm. made me really like have to dial in and listen carefully to what he has to say, right? That's what Mm -hmm. happens when people, I know Mm -hmm. people who speak quietly and slowly and you actually do like want to (laughs) listen, you lean in. Um, And then in the, in the middle of that quiet, gentle voice, he was delivering like gut punches of information (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I just, I just was so struck so many times. Now, one of the things that struck me is that he would talk about or he would like allude to how he handled sometimes conversations with people in the past um, mm. and and how he'd actually physically wince, right? His face would wince as he was talking about how he would interact with people and how now he would say things so differently um, and, and just like. Yeah, that really hit home for me because I've really even changed over the course of this podcast. I don't know if anyone else has mm. noticed, but I think my tone has changed a lot. I attribute this a lot to you, Michelle. You are naturally mm. more gentle and tender and sweet than me. And oh, you've kind of oh. you kind of brought me down a little bit <laughs> to that. <laughs> but I, I think back too to some of our earlier episodes and like even if maybe it didn't make it into the episode, my tone going into them, I, I think is markedly different maybe than it would Mm. be now 
Okay, so another thing I really loved um, was how his goal now is not to further hurt someone, not to further wound them when they do open up to him. So within his vocation as a monk, he is a renowned spiritual director. Um, he is the spiritual director to so many people. I think they were saying hundreds of people throughout the U.S., uh, married people, you know, religious, um, single people. So he really understands what it takes to create an environment in which people feel comfortable opening up and revealing mm. their wounds in the most tender way. And he said he wants them to know that he will not wound them further. Now, this made tears well up in my eyes because this is something I've never considered before. Mm. I have laid bare over the course of this podcast my struggles with being a virtuous person. And I'll be very honest right now. I've mm. definitely used people's wounds against them as a way to hold power over them. And then I felt such deep shame for having done that for so many years. And I just, my immediate thought was, I never want to re-wound someone again, period. Like, I, it just was a huge eureka moment for me. Mm -hmm. I remember him saying that in that episode, too. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting for me to hear, too, and to listen to it from that perspective, because I would say that I've also had challenges with gentleness mm -hmm. as well. But it kind of comes from the opposite perspective. It mm -hmm. comes from like a, um, a temptation for me to be maybe inauthentic when I shouldn't be. Oh, wow. Because I don't want to be the wounded one. If that makes sense. So if I'm not mm -hmm. confrontational, mm -hmm. then there's less likelihood of someone to wound me then. Right. If that, does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah. so I'll use the cover of wanting to be gentle. Not all the time. I don't want like everyone listening to me like every time she's been nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> she's been inauthentic. No, it's okay. Like, I think oh, out of the two of us, I'm the scarier friend at this point. <laughs> I'm like, I held your wounds to hurt you back with. And you're like, I was maybe a little fake gentle. <laughs> <laughs> we're both working on ourselves yeah, yeah. people here That's we're just true. working it out in front of you <laughs> fake gentle is what I'm gonna call it forever yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh and so yeah like I do think overall it's good it's good like from both of our perspectives to be a little bit like in moderation of both of our things right to to be able to say what you need to say and yeah, be assertive yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but also to be considerate of not wanting to be confrontational when you need to be. Yes. But there are maybe times that gentleness can be the overarching and like common denominator of how to moderate from both of our directions. Um, the challenges that we both have to gentleness, like with what Father Boniface is saying in terms of wounds. Yes. Like authentic gentleness, like just making sure yes. it's coming from a place of virtue, right? And for its own sake. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Not as a manipulative tool in any way. Yes. Yeah. Now there was one other thing he said that was a huge aha moment for me. And it was a metaphor for parenting using the pruning and watering of flowers. And mm. I know that you and I talked about this right after, cause it was like, you know, my head exploded mm -hmm. essentially hearing this. So he said, yeah. we often prune things when what they really need to be is watered. We often think that we need to discipline our children when they're actually, when it's actually not the right time at that moment mm. to do the disciplining. Like if the kids are kind of withering um, or if they're too tender, if they're too fragile or maybe too young in that moment, that they would actually flourish if we watered them instead, showering them with love at that moment versus trying to cut away parts. And again, I, I cried hearing this. I can't imagine mm. 
a parent who can understand that and raising their children like that. What a remarkable gift to know when to water and when to prune. You know, we need to water people when they turn to us, um, when they need us instead of pruning them. And I certainly used to prune people with the, and thinking I was doing the right thing, thinking I was, that's Mm. how I was helping them. And so I'd never heard before that sometimes you need to just water them and not prune them. Mm -hmm. That's a good point that you can be pruning with the best of intentions and go too far. I'd like to um, offer my poor love, (laughs) my lavender bushes that are no more. As an exhibit of this, <laughs> I had the best of intentions. I thought it was for their own good. I went too far. I should have watered. <laughs> but that even like in this analogy of watering plants more than you prune them, mm. and that's what's going to help them grow like physical plants. That's how you take care of them. Yeah. Right. What did yeah. instructions for plants say to like prune in the fall, like once? Mm. But water throughout, <laughs> like yes. every day or every other day, you know. So even in nature, nature again instructs and informs parts of ourselves interiorly. Right. Now, I so as I was listening to him, right, I was just in awe, and I thought, okay, I want to do this. Like I want mm-hmm. to be like this. So, how do I do that? Well, then when I was reflecting on it, um, I realized that I I have made way. Like I have come far in this journey, and and for me, motherhood has been the great tenderizer. Um, I'll call it. Mm. So I was thinking about that word this morning, tenderizer, and I was taking it literally as a verb. And I was thinking about tenderizing mm. meat. So you're you're there with That's the lavender bushes. Yep. Now I'm like, let me bring in some raw meat. Um, so many images. <laughs> but this made such sense to me, right? So there's like, mm. basically, I'm not a butcher, but I think there's two ways to tenderize meat. You can hammer it with a mallet. Or you can Mm -hmm. like pour salt or a type of marinade over it. Now, both change the actual fibers, the molecular molecular structure of the meat. And the structure is transformed. Um, It it, it takes that which was tough, you know, and hard Mm -hmm. to consume and it becomes succulent and delicious. Both methods have happened to me over the years. You know, I've had some traumas that acted like a mallet on my heart, tenderizing Mm. it into something more malleable. And then motherhood, though, for me has been like this beautiful marinade, this gentle mm. softening, making its way into my heart over time. And, and I, because it was so gentle, I didn't even feel it or realize it was happening. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just realized slowly that I'm not the hardened woman I used to be. And that I was for so long. Mm. That's really beautiful. I would, I would agree that. And I've often said this to myself that if it weren't for my motherhood and yeah. for my children, I would not have grown in many yeah. of the areas that I have grown over the years. And yes, gentleness is one of them. I could totally see that. You you have to consider other people's personalities and limits and strengths and weaknesses a lot more when you're mothering them. <laughs> yes. Um, and that can soften your approach to them for sure. That reminds me of one last thing he said, um, Mm -hmm. where he was talking about like, there is nothing more beautiful than a vulnerable person, right? There's nothing more Mm -hmm. like your heart like longs to help them. And I think that that really starts when we look at our crying babies and our toddlers who look up at you with those big tear filled eyes and you don't want to scold you, you want to be tender in those moments. And so, yeah, I think that of course, lots of other opportunities in life can help you form that. Um, but it's, it's just worked right throughout 
so many opportunities in motherhood to have that experience. Mm -hmm. So I think like in addition to what we struggle with in terms of obstacles to gentleness within ourselves, it's also really important to note that there are massive obstacles to practicing gentleness in our society right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not really um, disposed to value gentleness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We'll just say that, right? Um, There was actually a great summary of just this current situation from a woman named Yasmin Glinton. She's a teacher and a poet, and she she just wrote an article, like a blog post for um, a website called InjusticeMag.com, where she describes it as, quote, it is easy to live in a world without gentleness. It's safer to be hard to meet the ugly of this world with the brashness of our mouth and tongue. It is easy to pound fists against the wall and storm away in frustration. It is easy to spit what is distasteful onto the sidewalk, to rant about how the service was not worth the money. It is easy to live without gentleness. In fact, we're trained to live without it. And perhaps that's why we cannot offer gentleness to ourselves. And if we cannot offer it to ourselves, it seems hard for us to offer it to anyone else end quote. And I do feel like that encapsulates our entire plan for our episode today. (laughs) Mm. Right. And it's just that our culture's it's just kind of lost its taste and its use for gentleness. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, in society, it really does kind of give a tone or a connotation that to be gentle means you're a bit of a coward. Or you're weaker, right? You're someone that others can prey upon. Um, but it it's it's not actually that way. Yeah. Wow. That was really powerful. It's She mm-hmm. summed up so much of what my personality is. I'm like, that is exactly <laughs> what I used mm. to feel. And I think some of the confusion comes from... Um, men versus women and and in the last 30 years and women seeming like in the in the feminist ideal of being like a bold strong powerful woman who dominates mm. like this strong fierce woman and then on the flip side men were told to like become more tender and more feminine and like both of the, these things really started in the 1980s um and have continued through and so while there are good things about both of those things, right? It's not all bad. This mm. Women, you know, can be assertive and strong and stand up for themselves. And men do need to become a little bit more tender and loving and get in touch with that. So that's not mm-hmm. 100% wrong. What I think it's done is it's really muddied the waters. It's really confused us uh, about mm. what true gentleness looks like. And then right now, the pendulum is going again the other way as it always does and so now you log on to instagram and you see women that i've never seen that would that are like a hundred years ago right the the gentle mm. woman clad in her flowing skirt children at her knee sourdough starter on the counter gathering eggs from outside you know reading chronicles of narnia to her children um but i'm so mm-hmm. thankful for this alternative to what we've seen for women and for men um over the last couple of decades so i just think it's that's a huge conversation on its own about what's happened over Mm. the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s up till now. But that's what I think has happened. It's been this like really trying to forge new ways of what the modern woman looks like and the modern man. And and while that there's definitely some progress that's come with that, we can't pretend like there wasn't devastation in that path as well. Yeah, we kind of lost the the heart of it along the way, right? And just kept going forward. Yeah. Um, That actually made me wonder, and this is just like off the top of my head, it made me think about the terms gentleman and -hmm. gentlewoman Mm -hmm. um, in genteel society. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is is this connected? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm, I, I don't, don't know. know. Okay. Yeah, I've never looked up the word genteel, but I do think that that's so interesting. I will say one thing about, you know, my eight-year-old. Um, yeah. There's this little boy she has a very innocent crush on that she's had a crush on for two years in school. None of my other kids ever experienced this. This is my only kid who comes home mm. and talks about this little boy. And she's always like, mom, he's a gentleman. That's that's my favorite thing. He's a gentleman. And I'm like, where did this eight-year-old get the concept of gentleman from? No. It's so sweet. It just seems so pure and virtuous, like everything we're in, like the, the holy ideal of gentleness just summed up there in this innocent little, you know, little girl's heart. Yes, that she would notice. Yeah. That she would notice the quality of that. Um, I think that is really striking. And I wonder if, again a lot of the a lot of the good characteristics a lot of the virtues they seem to be most noticeable to those who are more and more pure of heart mm, right yeah. so like children i wonder if like even in this context of talking about culture and how it's kind of muddied the waters over the years um so that we can't actually really see or distinguish some of these qualities from one another anymore yeah. um but for those who are still quite innocent of the world it's so much clearer still so that yeah. we haven't actually lost it. It is still there. It's just time to revive or rediscover it. Okay. So it's time to, you know, rediscover it. Well, what is it? So what is gentleness? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't have the dictionary definition because I think we can all kind of figure out what that is. I just jump right to the fruits of the Holy Spirit, right? It, it inevitably mm. is going to end up there, I think, for both of us. So from Galatians 5, um, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, I found a great article on gentleness as a fruit of the Spirit, and we will touch more on it being a fruit of the Spirit later in the episode. Um, but this was written by Lauren Abraham for the website gcu.edu. So it's the Grand Canyon mm -hmm. University website. And in it, she points out that it isn't weakness, right? As we've been saying, that in fact, it does take great strength and self-control to be gentle. Now, I love self-control. I'm, draw I'm drawn mm -hmm. to things. That I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, I can do this. Um, and then she just reminds the reader over and over again how God is gentle with us that, you know, that we can really follow that motto. Now, just finally, even though I didn't look up the dictionary definition, of course, the Latin and the Greek um, <laughs> I needed mm. to know. And I don't know if you did this, Michelle, but it's really interesting because the Latin word is mansuetudo. And the Greek okay. is, right, proatis. Um, those are, both of those I could sure. not sound out. They're both hard. <laughs> but here's what blew my mind. The actual translation for those words is meekness. And gentleness ah, yes. is, is, that's what we sub in for it now. The word mm -hmm. is best translated to meekness. Um, so we know, we've talked about meekness before, actually. It's not an indication of weakness, but of power and strength under control. And, and the person who possesses this quality pardons injuries, they correct faults, and rules his own spirit well. So that translation, that came from a website, saintmarymysticalrose.org. But yeah, it's meekness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought that up because in Googling gentleness, there's not a, a ton of new and exciting things about gentleness. Right. I was like, where's the drama of, with gentleness? <laughs> <laughs> there is none. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot more on meekness. And there was a lot more on things like kindness and things yeah. like that, too. And when I was looking more into the Catholic articles and things like that, it did seem like those 
three terms were kind of used interchangeably. So that makes a lot of sense based on what I saw too. And when you were talking about the Greek, um, it's interesting because I saw in one article about Aristotle defining Mm. meekness or gentleness. And he says it's, um, he describes it as a virtue because he says it's the balance between two extremes, Mm. right? So as an example, he said it would stand between being angry at the wrong things and also not becoming angry at anything. Wow. Yeah. 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 For meekness. And that's like, I guess, uh, what you're saying to toe a line is harder than to give way to passion. Right. Mm-hmm. So I can totally see this falling in line with the philosophical aspect, self-control aspect, that it stands in the middle of two extremes. And I, I love that definition. Which I think is so fascinating because on the surface, I think I would have just thought it's at the far side of the weakness side, right? Like I would have never put it in the middle, which is so fascinating. Now, um, I did read this as well. There was an article at ucg.org and it talks about gentleness and meekness and how they seem to be the same thing. But um, this points out that gentleness refers mostly to actions, whereas meekness refers to the attitude, to attitude. So I'll get Mm. more into that differentiation in a minute. But seeing those two virtues separated like this helps me see that I can work on both aspects in different ways because, yeah, one is an action, one is an attitude. Now, this article Mm -hmm. is so good. It was written by Dan Hooser, and it's called The Fruit of the Spirit, Meekness and Gentleness, Strength with a Tender Touch. And in it, he draws out attention to another animal that is the opposite of a bull in a china shop. Um, And it's Mm. the elephant. And he wrote, quote, elephants are so strong, they have frequently been used for logging to carry large logs and even uproot trees. But these giants are usually gentle, especially when tamed from a young age. The elephant's trunk in particular is an example of strength coupled with precise control. Its trunk, with more than 40,000 individual muscles, is strong enough to rip branches from trees, but sensitive enough to pick up a single blade of grass. The trained elephant illustrates the great value of having both strength and careful gentleness, end quote. Mm. Okay, I kind of gasped when you said elephant because I also have like an elephant <laughs> reference, but nice. from different places. Yeah. What? <laughs> and in a different way. Um, I do love that definition because now thinking about it, yeah, elephants are a great example of self-controlled strength. Mm-hmm. Um, but my reference to um, elephants and gentleness comes from St. Francis de Sales. Ah, Yeah, so in his book, Introduction to the Devout Life, St. Francis de Sales talks about how nothing so stills the elephant when enraged as the sight of a lamb. And then, Mm. nor does anything break the force of a cannonball so well as wool. He's talking about gentleness. In his book, this is under the heading of gentleness. Um, So, I mean, it, it goes along with what you're saying. I mean, I never really considered before about an elephant enraged because that picture that you talked about is what I imagine an elephant Mm -hmm. mostly Mm -hmm. and I did google why St. Francis references an elephant and a lamb together like do they live together (laughs) the (laughs) elephant have any particular affection for sheep I don't right there was nothing I couldn't find anything but yeah it does seem to be a really good connection And I think one thing that I'm going to emphasize a little bit later is the idea that he mentions it being a tame elephant, because we're going to talk again about habit and control, self-control and training and that sort of thing. But I want to share a little bit more from this this article because it's so good. So Dan Hooser goes on to say that we are to be meek first in our relationship with God. And this means yielded 
teachable, responsive. And secondly, in our relationships with other people, meaning humble, gentle, respectful. And that in order to become this way, we need to be tamed and trained, which I laughed Mm. at because I do see myself as that proverbial bull crashing through life. So I know I could use a little taming and training. (laughs) Um, Mm. But he explains that the word meek isn't very common today. And that's why so many translations of the Bible have subbed in the word gentle and that both are used interchangeably. But as he wrote earlier, meekness is an attitude which is nurtured and developed Um, when it is nurtured and developed, will produce the actions of gentleness. So that's the difference. So meekness is the attitude. You work on it, you develop it, and then gentleness flows from that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love this because I actually have in my notes this wondering between gentleness and meekness. Like Mm. I I was actually wondering, is gentleness more the quality and characteristic mm. and meekness is the action but oh, you're wow, saying yeah. it's the opposite that was my well yeah, dan that is. was in my notes oh, okay <laughs> i didn't know dan, dan, dan helped saying. yeah yeah <laughs> and it's Thanks, such a good dan. article yeah, yeah i think you should share dan's article so i'll send you the link okay. michelle you've got to add it to the notes because there's another whole thing he brings up that we can't even get mm. into today but he poses the question in this same article so should a christian be a fighter And this is something I think about all the time because I'm a fighter. Mm -hmm. And the simple answer is that it is biblical to be a fighter, but it's about Mm -hmm. spiritual battles and not fighting with our neighbors. We are to fight Mm -hmm. the good fight of faith, right, from 1 Timothy, but that's against evil influences in society and temptations within ourselves, but we are not to be combative or argumentative with people. That actually reminded me about something, an interesting concept that I was reading um, in another article from christianscholars.com mm-hmm. just this idea of fighting with others um they raise the point that gentleness makes no sense in a world vying for power mm-hmm. yeah and it's right and i yeah. think like that's where a lot of that conflict with our neighbor comes in and the fighting comes in um so the fighting is not just when it is in the pursuit of power Yes. <laughs> or domination, yes. but totally in the sense of fighting for righteousness, fighting right. for the things of God. Yeah. So I, I get that. And actually further in this article, it's called, the article is called The Demise of Gentleness, again from christianscholars.com. And the author suggests that one of the reasons why gentleness is so absent from our society's imaginations is because we've forgotten our identities as image bearers of God, Mm. right? And that Mm. instead we attempt to cultivate virtues and values in our own images. And in that way, we set ourselves up in like our own little kingdoms with ourselves as kings, as ourselves as gods. And so as Christians, I think we can appreciate, uh, you know, how fragile this setup is when we distance ourselves from God and prop ourselves up in his place as idols. And then there is that connection that you brought up with like the, um, the whole concept of fighting and where the place in that is and the the improper place is when it's vying for power because when we're in those isolated kingdoms then that we've all made for ourselves mm-hmm. like real ones in history where kings would they would reason away a need to be gentle out of fear of being overthrown yep since showing gentleness may suggest weakness right yeah um, it's all about control and power and gentleness, ironically, is one of the biggest threats to that. So uh, just in that context of why 
uh, we might be fighting for the wrong reasons, vying for the wrong reasons. And how gentleness is actually the antidote to that is because it really tears down those walls of those individualized, isolated kingdoms that we set up for ourselves. And it reintroduces to us the true image we were made in, which humbles us. And then we're able to see a little bit more clearly, which makes us more open and vulnerable and gentle. Okay. So we always hear that saying like, well, be gentle with yourself. Um, And so we wanted to look into that a little bit of the psychology of gentleness. Um, But let's start there. So being gentle with yourself. So one of the things you see written in comments under almost every post on social media written by a stressed out mom, you'll see, Mm -hmm. be gentle with yourself, right? And it's Mm well-meaning, but you're going to see that Mm -hmm. everywhere. I've seen it so many times. It's it's actually lost meaning to me. Like it's just a saying, Mm. it seems like. But truthfully, I've never really felt that anyways. Like it's never really meant anything to me. Again, my temperament my my toxic personality trait is to set the bar very high for myself <laughs> and to work myself to exhaustion trying to reach that bar and then by effect expecting everyone else's bars to be as high as mine and then mm. when other people fall short they never even knew I set the bar there right they had no idea mm. and then I'm judging them because they're they're falling short of an invisible bar they had no concept of um oh, yes. right and that's that's how I operate and I know it sounds harsh but I really want to share that because I know that there are people who are listening who might struggle with the same thing or love people who act like that and might want insight into why they do that. So for me, the idea of like being gentle with myself was laughable, honestly, for years, Mm. because I just again, I just thought, why would I do that? I want to push myself to exhaustion and be the top of everything I'm trying to do. And then so the idea of being gentle with others and people around me, my goodness, that was so far off of my radar. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. I wanted to look into this more, this idea of being gentle with yourself. And I came across an article on medium.com and the author says that many of us were raised to push aside our, our emotions and to toughen up. Um, it's definitely mm. a generational thing, right? I think that the vast majority of us were raised like that, um, as were all the generations before us, you know, but they didn't have cushy lives. And a quick study of history illustrates that for them, the reality was they had to try to just put food on the table, you know, keep the house warm and uh, save the world from countless deadly conflicts that were raging continuously. Mm. So in many ways, and I've always felt this, and this is one of the things that maybe um, I find prickly about this idea of being gentle. I, I'm, To me, it's such a luxury now to have this time and mental energy to think about how I'm feeling, right? Um, mm. And all of those emotions. So yeah, even the idea of just being gentle with ourselves, it seems like if it's left unchecked, to me, the pendulum could go so far the other way. And we become mm-hmm. too soft, unwilling to suffer, terrified of pain. So I really had to work through that within myself about all of my mindsets about being gentle with myself. So I'm like, surely there's got to be a middle road here where it's mm-hmm. not generations going, you know, shove all those emotions down. You're fine. Move on. We got to get stuff done. And then the whole, I won't suffer at all. And I don't want to feel anything. And I, you know, just going to curl up in my little bubble. Surely there's a middle way of being gentle surely. with yourself. Yeah, <laughs> surely. I do know what you're saying, though. Like, we don't want to coddle ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, we like to be gentle with ourselves, but we don't want to fall into coddling ourselves. Yes. Because yes. that kind of stunts, it stunts your growth, right? Yep. If you're coddled too much. 
Um, but I do think I may have found a middle way. Ooh, tell and me. And it is from our good friend, St. Francis de Sales. Yes. I'm going to probably talk about him a lot because he has a lot to say about gentleness. That's great. Um, you know, and he he does caution against being too hard on ourselves because it doesn't merit any good for right. us. Right. And it only adds to the heaviness. <gasps> so he says in Introduction to the Devout Life, Quote, many people fall into the error of being angry because they have been angry, vexed because they have given way to vexation, thus keeping up a chronic state of irritation, which mm. adds to the evil of what is past and prepares the way for a fresh fall on the first occasion. End quote. Right. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah. So how, but how, St. Francis, how? <laughs> and he answers you. <laughs> <laughs> in this in this awesome book um so he suggests to instead we should have like a quiet steady firm displeasure a quiet steadfast repentance and the words that i hear is steady and steadfast mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um rather than he says eager hasty ways of repentance yes so he says that when we are hasty and harsh with ourselves it's also, it's not usually in proportion to the actual weight of the fault or misstep. Wow. It's often much more. We're more harsh with ourselves than we often need to be. And he credits all this happening because we don't judge ourselves by the light of reason, mm. but under the influence of passion. So there you go. This is, this is, <laughs> we just didn't even need to record this episode. You should just be reading from St. Right. Francis de Sales the entire time. My goodness, he should be my patron saint. This is incredible. Oh, he's so good. He is so gentle, but what he says is so rooted in reason mm -hmm. that you can read it and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. And that was said so nicely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's like St. Um, Saint Jose Father Maria. Boniface. Oh, Hicks. oh no, oh. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. And him. <laughs> yeah. All of them. All yes. of them. Well, I always, yeah. whenever I, because I read St. Francis de Sales years ago, and then when I read some St. Jose Maria, I'm like, oh my goodness, they're very similar and their That's approaches. Um, and it's just that incredible. And what's so beautiful is these are not married men. These men are, do not yeah. have offspring of their own. So mm -hmm. when we say these, and if you're listening and you're not a mom, right, because we talked about how motherhood mm -hmm. transforms us, the greatest lessons here we're getting from celibate men. And so mm. that this idea that they can, ha you know, teach us this profound concept is just incredible and model it they are gentle yet so so strong um when you think mm -hmm. about the time that saint francis de sales lived in and when you think about everything saint jose maria went in during like the, the civil war in spain and and the capturing and killing of priests like these are not weak men but just such right. great role models of that balance mm -hmm. So this is not from a saint. This is from a website called therapychanges.com. Little change in tone here. Great. Um, yeah. Yep. But one of the best things I read about being more gentle with ourselves um, said that it's a philosophy and quote, it emphasizes the process rather than the end game end quote. Mm. So that's a game changer for me because so many of us, you know, me included, we're goal oriented. We set goals for ourselves and we work towards them and then we beat ourselves up like, you know, what St. Mm. Francis de Sales is talking about when we inevitably fall short because life happens and we look around mm -hmm. at everyone else, especially on social media. And we think that everyone else is successful at life and we are failures. Um, but this is where it can help psychologically to focus on the process versus the end goal. Now, this article mm -hmm. was written by Rochelle Perper, PhD, and she says, quote, 
being gentle with ourselves means giving ourselves permission not to be the best that's humanly possible, rather to do the best that we can right now. This philosophy reminds us that our version of best will look different than everyone else's. For some of us, depending on where we are at life and the status of our mental health, our version of trying our best might be as simple as getting through the day, end quote. Now, Dr. Purper continues, being gentle with yourself is easier said than done. It involves an entire change in the way we've been conditioned to think for years and years and years. To make a change in our thinking, we must first recognize the old way of thinking no longer serves us well. In doing this, it helps to remind ourselves of a process that works better for us, which is recognizing how far we've come instead of how far we have left to go. So that just, sorry, ties back into St. Mm-hmm. Francis de Sales about how it actually doesn't move us forward. Um, yes. it, it doesn't serve any good, right? To not be gentle with ourselves when we are harsh with ourselves. It actually has a negative outcome. And for those mm-hmm. people like me who want to continue to progress, I can't believe I you know, was so fooled by that that mindset of of falling into that instead of being gentle with myself, which seems to have great benefits. Yes. I actually have a great benefit that I'm going to tell you. But just before we leave this uh, topic and kind of leave St. Francis de Sales for the time being, Mm -hmm. um, he does have like a prayer that he has in the book Mm -hmm. that the language of it so well, I think, goes with along with uh, what you were just talking about, about uh, focusing on the process, not beating yourself up for the goal itself, whether you reach it or not, right? And he says, like, you can pray something like to to yourself, poor heart, so mm. soon fallen again into the <gasps> snare. Well, now rise up again bravely and fall no more. Seek God's mercy, hope in him, ask him to keep you from falling again and begin to tread the pathway of humility afresh. We must be more on our guard henceforth, end quote. And I was like. Oh my gosh, poor heart poor to heart. say that to your Yourself. heart, your own heart, right? I know. <laughs> but my goodness, well, I guess, yes. So thinking about hearts, our bodies, physiology versus psychology, here's a benefit to being gentle that I was really surprised about, about how it benefits our bodies. Mm. Um, so actually being gentle, and I'll get into how this all works in a second, could be one of the keeys to anti-aging. Oh, my favorite. I I know. (laughs) I know. There's an article on bigthink.com where it talks about how our bodies are constantly in threat mode Mm. uh, because just our lifestyles right now, they're often stressful. They're very on the go all the time. But our bodies were not meant to obviously live constantly in this zone. So one thing that can happen to us physiologically is that our capacity for gentleness, for compassion, for kindness, that all decreases. Hmm. But beyond that, um, this article quotes a Dr. James Doty, who is a Stanford professor and author, who says that gentleness and kindness can also act on a cellular level as an anti-ager. Wow. So... You're going to have to follow, stay with me here, okay? Because we're we getting sciencey now. Okay. We're <laughs> I going felt the science coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So in this context, there are two nervous systems that we kind of live in, the parasympathetic nervous system Mm -hmm. and the sympathetic nervous system. So the parasympathetic nervous system is what we naturally fall into when we are gentle and kind. And the sympathetic nervous system is the state most of us in our culture today live in with the stress and the busy life. So we want to stay in the parasympathetic nervous system realm. Okay, so put a pin in that. We'll come back to that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. For the next part, I'm just going to (laughs) read directly from the article because they explain it so much better than I can. Quote, now let's talk about telomeres. To visualize (laughs) them, you can imagine small caps that protect the ends of chromosomes during cell division. Telomeres get shorter each time a chromosome copies itself during cell division, which happens constantly. Eventually, telomeres get too short to do the job of protecting the genetic information stored in the chromosomes, which causes the cells to eventually stop replicating, a process known as cell death. This is how telomeres act as an aging clock in every Mm. cell we have. So the faster your telomeres shorten, the more advanced the aging process becomes. End quote. Got that? So... Mm -hmm. Okay, so research done by Dr. Doty shows that by living in the parasympathetic nervous system, the resting state, the one where we find ourselves when we're gentle and kind, Mm. our telomeres actually increase in Mm. length. (gasps) Right? (gasps) Right. And so that in theory, over time, being gentle and kind and compassionate can actually slow down the aging process in the cells in our body. What? Okay, that is incredible. So we've got backing from, you know, philosophers right through saints to science. I'm mm-hmm. I'm really getting sold on this idea of being more gentle. I'm I'm getting there. Yes. <laughs> You're getting there. Yep. Yes. Okay, so let's just talk a little bit more about gentleness as a virtue. So this makes so much sense because virtues in their simplest definition Um, are healthy and holy habits. This is how I explain them to my kids. There is obviously a much more theological description of them, but it just, they aren't just a nice set of um, adjectives, right? They are things that Mm -hmm. need to be practiced and developed within us on a daily basis. And so gentleness to ourselves and then by effect gentleness with others um, does need to be cultivated and practiced just like any other skills that becomes a healthy and holy habit. So I wanted to know how we could like download or like better access Mm. the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I I want them more. Um, And so first I read some scripture and it's Matthew 7 and it says, just so every good tree bears good fruit and a rotten tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a rotten tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So by their fruits, you will know them. Now, this passage Mm. in Matthew's gospel helps us understand the fruits of the Holy Spirit, which are the observable behaviors of people who have allowed the grace of the Holy Spirit to be effective in them. Okay, Mm. so what I understand that to mean is that when we allow the grace of God to work within us, which means living a Christian life, the fruits of the Spirit will grow within us naturally. 
Now I can totally see how this has happened in my own life over the last 10 years since I've been taking my faith seriously. These fruits have grown within me and I can only say that they've grown by the grace of God because for so many years I didn't try to grow in those things, to be honest. Like I didn't even know. Mm. It's like God planted the seeds, but as I welcomed him, in, him into my heart, right? And into my daily life and into the, the mm-hmm. decisions I was making every day and the practices and prayer life and devotions, then I was starting to help those fruits grow by practicing them. And just to sum it up better than what I'm saying, um, catholicweekly.com.au says, the fruits, on the other hand, are the effects in us of living a life according to the spirit, according to the will of God, a life of holiness. The catechism describes them as perfections that the Holy Spirit forms in us as the first fruits of eternal glory, end quote. Now, if it seems like we've talked about something similar, we talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our episode mm. for times such as these. And that episode, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, we we produced right as the pandemic was like really getting underway and our world mm-hmm. felt like it was in turmoil, right? And we'd never experienced that before. And then now it seems like the world is still in turmoil. But what we're really <laughs> needing right now is this renewed sense of gentleness with ourselves and with everyone. We're so battered and broken and bruised right now. So that's why this one was really jumping out to you and I. Mm-hmm. We need fruit right now. Yeah. <laughs> we need the natural sugars of the Holy Spirit. Yes. <laughs> but it, do you know what is so interesting that even the terminology, gifts, fruits, these are things that we can't force ourselves to be mm-hmm. like on a dime, right? Yeah. They're not inauthentic. They, they have to come from um, either the source of all being, God himself bestows us gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit, or they're fruits of the Holy Spirit, which are cultivated by living a life of grace, like the grace of God given to us by him too. So I think sometimes, like even when we talk about like, how can we grow in gentleness? Again, it's like this kind of uh, societal culture that we've created for ourselves where we have to be the ones to do everything but instead we can just we can ask god to cultivate these things in our souls and that probably takes like 90 percent of the work but i know for myself i don't think of it that way and i'm probably missing out on so much grace that god wants to give me but i'm just not paying attention it's not that i'm opposed to receiving grace i'm just not paying attention And sometimes this is what we need to do, right? Is talk, like Mm -hmm. bring it to our attention. And so doing an episode like this for you and I has been like, like we were just saying kind of off the record for a minute that we didn't think, we didn't quite know how we were going to do this episode, but we felt called to speak on this. And then there wasn't a lot of information on it, but we've clearly had so much to say. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes calling it into our own minds and our own hearts and you guys listening will do the same is exactly what we needed to do. And that's the first step then in asking God to, to provide you with that grace. Okay, so I'm sure we're all on the same page now going, okay, we want this. We want more gentleness. We want more tenderness. We want it within ourselves. We want it within our families. We want to spread that to everyone. So, Michelle, how are you going to do this? I'm putting you on the spot. (laughs) How are you going to bring gentleness to the world? Yes. Floodlight centers (laughs) on me like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think the, the first thing that we can do is to take Jesus as our model. Mm. Right. Um, And the Bible specifically attributes gentleness to Jesus. In in Matthew chapter 11, it says, 
take, Jesus speaking says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am meek, read, gentle, Mm -hmm. and humble in heart, end quote. And, you know, we've talked about those differences and the connection between those two qualities, meek and gentle. Some translations of the Bible use them interchangeably. But I think that is exactly the invitation that we first need to accept if we want to grow in gentleness for ourselves is to um, accept Jesus's example and to follow him and what he says, turn to scripture, turn to the teachings of the church, the examples of the lives of the saints. I think if we immerse ourselves in a culture of gentleness in terms of you know, the things we read, the things we say Mm, to ourselves, even that that's going to naturally overflow out into the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, and I do think it's necessary for us to be mindful of that. Um, Again, in scripture and Proverbs, it talks about how, um, you know, a soft word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And further again in Proverbs, it says, with patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. So our our world and our families and everything like you were saying, too, has suffered um, quite a, a period of brutality, I think, yes, and yes. hardness. And so going forward, the answer to that isn't more hardness, yeah. even even in like pursuit of the truth. I think sometimes we can say, like, remember our pruning Mm -hmm. (laughs) analogies from the beginning? We can think, Mm -hmm. like, but the world needs to hear the truth. That's right. Yeah, We're going to say it regardless whether you like it or not. Um, That's not going to persuade a ruler. That's not going to, you know, stir up anything but anger. It's the soft word. It's the soft tongue. So if all I can do is love my people better, if all I can do is be more gentle with myself and those in my family... I'm already doing a revolutionary act because the ripple effects of this type of radical love are huge. And these ripples will carry on for generations, just like we had generations of people who had to keep calm and carry on. In other words, push on through and survive. This idea that we now have the luxury to feel things because our bodily needs are mostly met with food and heat and housing doesn't have to be as maligned as it often is. We often scoff at the idea that we are being too emotional. No, because we now have the time to focus on what we are feeling. We have the power to whisper into the hearts of each generation to come that you can keep calm and carry on, not because you have to, but because you are now equipped to rooted in a love that is gentle and tender yet stronger than anything we felt before a legacy passed down from mother to child neighbor to neighbor in accordance with god's will and desire for us aided by the holy spirit grown in grace practiced by us practiced by you and me for the betterment of our world Okay, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So, Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? I didn't know how what I'm loving this week would actually tie into this episode, but it kind of does. So, 
I've been listening a lot to the podcast, honestly, by Barry Weiss. Um, You and I have talked Mm -hmm. about this. So I know next to nothing about Barry herself. I I think we're aligned in some ways and not in others. And I actually know almost nothing about her, quote, famous resignation, I think, from the New York Times um, or her personal life. But I came across her podcast when someone in the health and wellness world shared, shared her episode on the obesity crisis. And that episode's called Eating Ourselves to Death. And that episode, mm. that interview with Dr. Casey Means blew my mind. She was boldly saying things that I have almost never heard in the last 10 years. Mm. So then I tried another episode and another and realized that Barry shares um, only a little bit about her thoughts, but she really lets her guests open up and share their views and their research. She's an excellent interviewer. And I found myself stopping to think and really ponder on so many of the topics that they've covered. And there's like a journalistic integrity there that is hard to find. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I found I'm able to click on topics that historically I might not have agreed with or wanted to even listen to. But because I trust the the way that they go about it, the integrity, I'm open to hearing um, what they're saying on that other side. Now, in doing so, um, I've realized that this is really the undercurrent of her show, whether she knows it or not. I'm starting to realize that the whole thing is that they're trying to bring people back together and go, okay, we might not agree here and here, but we agree in this middle part. And they're very much like, you know, it seems like the West, I guess, is under attack from peoples who don't share our values, but that we do share so many more values within ourselves that we have forgotten about and we've grown so divisive. So some of the topics, I've, I've been not, I've not been scandalized by any of them, let's say that, and they really made me stop and think. And then you go, I really liked hearing that. I really liked how that person explained that. And so you do feel like let's move past so many of the other things and just start again, becoming reunited with people. And so maybe it is the spirit of gentleness. It's bold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yet it's a great conversation. And so if people don't know where to start, I really liked the why must why we must save our boys episode on nuclear war games with HR McMaster and the golden age of gurus. Um, it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but it's certainly kept my brain active as I've been cleaning my house. Mm-hmm. Well, on your recommendation from Instagram, mm-hmm. I have listened to a couple of her episodes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm about halfway through that guru episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I have to agree. I'm like nodding as you're talking because I everything you said is why I have been enjoying it so much, too. Yeah, I really appreciate how even she is yes. um, between both sides. And yep. you're right. You don't actually always really know what she actually feels about what her guest is talking about. She just wants her guest to keep talking about it. So she has a great gift, a great gift for interviewing. I totally agree. And what are you loving this week, Michelle? So I am actually loving a book called Checklist Manifesto by a Dr. Atul Gawande. So we were actually uh, on a bit of a mini getaway with our family a few weeks ago, and it required a bit of a drive to get Mm -hmm. there. And so Phil and I listened to this audiobook together on the drive up, and it was recommended by Jansen at the blog Everyday Reading. Mm -hmm. So Checklist Manifesto was written in 2009 by American surgeon, writer, and public health researcher Atul Gawande. And in this book, he makes the case for the humble but mighty checklist as the way to, quote, get things right, whether in your personal life or professionally. Uh, You might be wondering how an entire book on making checklists could possibly be interesting, let alone fascinating. (laughs) I'm actually not. I'm so excited already. (laughs) 
As was I. As was I. Um, And he, as the author, fully admits in the introductory chapters that it seems so simple, but through his examples and research, it really is so incredible to see how something so basic can make such a huge difference in human efficiency, Mm. especially in preventing error. So what I found most interesting to hear about was the parallels and differences in the fields of medicine, particularly Mm -hmm. surgery Mm -hmm. and construction, and how checklists are needed or used by those industries. So in summary, you know, as someone and you as well, Mm -hmm. who have admitted often here on the podcast how much we enjoy our planners, our to-do lists, Mm -hmm. our calendars, checking things off and what that does for our dopamine. (laughs) The book was the deep dive I never knew I needed. And if you are also a lover of checklists or wonder why you should be one, I highly recommend the checklist manifesto. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time. Mm